0: it's time for another episode of star wars all in the show that goes into people places things and concepts from that galaxy far far away and we're going to investigate some topics i'm your inquisitor host here mac and i'm joined by my fellow grand inquisitor ross
1: mac great to be back today I am so excited because we got a couple of interesting topics. We're going to start out with a little bit of print media. Ooh. We're going to talk about the sequel trilogy Vanity Fair covers that we got between 2015 and 2019. -hmm. We've got, uh, let's see, seven different magazine covers to cover today. And we're going to (laughs) talk about uh, the style choices, the characters they chose to put on them. Yeah. What our overall thoughts and opinions on them are, what your thoughts and opinions are as the listener, and finally, how we feel they represented the finished product of I, the movie we got. I'm really excited to see how this very visual topic works in our format. Yes, I'm sure it's going to be fine. great. That's why we're trying something That's new. That's we're trying. Exactly. Uh, totally. I mean, hey, we say on Star Wars All In, every people place, galaxy object thing, moment, event, feeling. Every concept is in it's there. It's there. And I'll tell you what, we haven't done a magazine yet. No, this is our first magazine. This is our
0: first. And very ironically, there's no way that we couldn't find more magazine articles to get (laughs) into. But these are important. These are the these sequel are, Vanity these Fair ones. Vanity Fair has been a big thing in Star
1: Wars for 20 years, and this is important. Uh, and I think they're great. I think they're a ton of fun, so we're going to talk about them tonight. Uh, second, we're going to go into a different medium. We're going to go into the, into the animated video game world and talk about yeah. Masters of Terrace Kasi. Yeah. Oh, the fighting game from the late 90s out on PlayStation. The first Star Wars fighting game, the first Star Wars... Uh let's see 3D fighting game right the also first the Star, last Wars Star Wars PlayStation
0: game also the last Star Wars fighting games there've been guest appearances by yeah. people in Soul Calibur but yeah, in that's general true Yoda and Vader were in Soul Calibur 3 weren't there? And Star they? Killer <laughs> What Who was Star Killer in Secret Apprentice was in uh in there too He was in both versions Yoda was in the Xbox version and Vader was really? in the PlayStation in version in Calibur 3 Soul yeah. Calibur 3 Oh yeah Wow well, and no that's Soul Calibur 4 yeah. Four, Soul Calibur 4. But I think 3 was Vader and Yoda. But you know what the important thing is? This is not the topic we're talking <laughs> yes, about. Yes, because tonight we're talking about the PlayStation <laughs> 1 fighting game. We will get to Soul Bears Calibur costume. 4 eventually. Oh, uh,
1: will we? We're going to really be scraping the bottle of the barrel. <laughs> uh, Patreon exclusive. Soul <laughs> Calibur <laughs> 4. Um Oh, so caliber crazy in. tonight. It's, it's gonna be. Fun. It's late. It is. It's late for it us. It is. I don't know. I go to bed early. I'm an early riser. Mac isn't, but it's still late. We're a little manic. We both worked today. I'm a little nuts. Yeah, it was a little busy. Uh, great day. Great day. It's be fun. Uh, and then finally, we're. Uh, what are we talking about? The,
0: uh, the, grand, last one inquisitor. the grand inquisitor. That's yep. right.
1: The grand inquisitor. The inquisitor. The. Well, that's all we know about.
0: (laughs) So let's just... Okay, let's be a little less punchy here and just let you know. So tonight... Yeah, how long are we talking about magazines? Our our episode is... We're going to talk for probably the better part of 45 minutes to an hour about Vanity Fair. Then we're going to go into Masters of Terrorist We're going to spend about 20 minutes there. And we'll have a nice, simple, and sweet... Inquisitor, maybe about 15 minutes episode to anchor this wonderful episode of Star Wars. LA.
1: Fantastic. We think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be live and quick and uh, we would love for you to it's join going, us. It's going to so, be punchy. Uh, that's right. So flip open the Vanity Fair and join us right after this.
0: First segment that I think is going to be really useful. Now, this is a segment that is all about the visuals of Star Wars. It's all about what you can see, which is why here in a podcast, it may <laughs> be important for you to seek out visual aids. We will be describing in the theater of the mind what we're talking about. But if you haven't seen this in a while, you, you might want to go check it out. Yes. What
1: are we looking at, Ross? So Mac uh, and you will be able to find these pictures. We'll upload these on our Twitter, Star Wars All In. Uh, Basically, we're looking at, specifically, the sequel trilogy Vanity Fair covers. Yeah. Now, a couple of things for today. One, if you're not aware, Star Wars and Vanity Fair have had a close relationship since 99. From the time The Phantom Menace has come out through today with episode Mm 9, every main series Star Wars film has gotten a cover story with Vanity Fair. And for The Force Awakens, after our first, you know, we got our first Star Wars film in 10 years, and uh, we got our first Vanity Fair cover, and then with The Last Jedi, we got four, and then The Rise of Skywalker, we got two different variants, and so we're going to discuss those today. All right. Now, we're going to start off by talking about The Force Awakens Vanity Fair issue. Uh, So this is a single issue there was no variant uh, unless maybe there was a subscriber variant but we're just talking about the new stand versions today I don't think there was for this but
0: uh, and it probably if anything it was probably just less junk on the front I don't think it was different content
1: it could be that no not different content but they do do cover variations for different like Empire has their like for the they did for the rise of Skywalker they, anyway yeah, yeah. so uh, with this first one here what we're going to talk about really is I want to kind of frame this in through a couple of different thoughts. So, one, we'll just talk about the general design, the layout, what characters they chose to put on versus who they chose to leave off, um, you know, what the characters are wearing, how they're positioned, where they are, and just talk about do we feel like this cover was an accurate representation of the film that we got? Sure. Or is it more, well, the marketing material that it is, you know, because this is always the first look we get. Vanity Fair always has the debut scoop. And so... Sometimes the details we get and the information and the pictures we get are some of the least, shall we say, spoiler-filled out of any information that ever comes out of Lucasfilm.
0: And it also helps the fact that in a lot of cases, this is early in the shooting days, so like it also may not be fully formed. (laughs) That's (laughs) totally (laughs) fair.
1: Yes, it's very, very fair. Uh, Okay, so I should also point out that all the photos throughout the entire history from ninety nine to 2019 were shot by Annie Leibovitz. Famous, Which is rad yes a uh, famous photographer um, now for me i know her from doing star wars but
0: that's she photographs she's, more than star wars she's a fantastic photographer uh i yeah. would suggest if you want to know more about her work this is kind of a weird way uh there's a master class she teaches on master class yes about photography familiar. and it's she's amazing yes
1: uh, so, definitely, definitely, a quick Google search will reveal that for you. Uh, but every picture we're talking about today was taken by her, so we feel like we should throw that out at the beginning, okay? Agreed. All right, so let's start with the Vanity Fair from 2015 for The Force Awakens. Now, I like this. It's a sort of black, white, and gold theme, mm-hmm. and Vanity Fair right across the top, and the, the title is The Empire Reboots. The new heroes, the old heroes, the high stakes, exclusive first look photos, and how a new generation is shaking up Hollywood's biggest franchise. Now, this cover features Rey and Finn, mm-hmm. Han, mm-hmm. Chewie, and BB-8. Yep, sitting inside the cockpit of the Falcon. Yep, definitely not kind of nice legal. L-
0: and again, yeah, yeah, in a nice loungy pose. Yeah, if I like, got pulled
1: over, none of them were wearing their seat belts. Yeah, because Finn great.
0: has basically got his shoulder turned towards the camera and he's like looking up over it, which means he's basically sitting in the well, well mm-hmm. of the co pilot seat. And uh, Ray is kind of sitting where the hyperspace console would be. Yeah. And Chewie's just sort of leaning over Han's chair. Han's got this great sort of just lounging look in the captain's chair. Yeah. And BB 8's back in one of the chairs like that. Um, that uh, C3p or Leia would have been into in, yeah. Like, Empire
1: yeah BBA to uh, looking deactivated there in the background so we've got Ray she's wearing her head wrap that we see her wearing at the very very beginning of the force awakens when she still has her goggles on yep and that's really the only time we see her in that
0: and for that uh, she doesn't have the goggles on which she, is also weird that's
1: true yeah uh everyone else in their kind of traditional you know Finn is wearing pose jacket. Um, of course, we didn't know that yet. So looking at this, being that this was the first return for Star Wars and Vanity Fair after a decade, Mac.
0: Yeah, so how other do you f- than... Wait, we, have we seen the teaser by this point? Yes. So Yeah, the, we would it have seen the So it was basically the teaser show. and then this. It was like sort of the content roll, rollout. Yeah,
1: I think we might have had that behind the scenes reel, too. Okay. If I remember correctly. Okay. It's been a while. Uh, so do you feel that this cover
0: accurately reflected
1: now we're not talking about the content we're not talking about the stories you know we're not talking about the articles the best way to talk about the picture itself
0: yeah i mean i think the best way to think about it is this really represents um basically the beginning to act one of force awakens
1: see that is kind of my initial thought too but -hmm. when you really think about it and that is very much what it represents but when you really look at it these are our main characters of the film. These are the characters that we far and away spend the most time with besides the villains.
0: Well, as I was gonna say, except for that, yeah, as yeah. you say, you don't see Kylo Ren here, which is the yeah. weird part. And we also have to remember that, again, this is early in production. So Poe might still be, a you know, mm-hmm. in the crosshairs for we're not sure if we're going to edit him out or we're going to edit him in. Cause yeah, because who knows
1: where the photos were, because we know when they were released. But they could have been taken at a different time,
0: and this, who knows? This could have been just a couple of weeks after that table-reading famous photo that came out. Like, yeah, we have knows? no idea. Because, yeah. again, like we said, each character is in their first costume of the entire movie. Some, like, you know, Han, that's going to be his costume the rest of the movie. It has a different jacket at one point. Um, you know, and, and Chewie looks the way he always does. But I think <laughs> oh, the weirdest luscious. thing about this is um, Ray, who, like you said, we see that sort of mm-hmm. junk scavenger once... It's odd the goggles aren't part of the costume, and I think the most weird thing to me about this is, for someone who would sort of be defined by a very famous haircut,
1: like a yeah. triple
0: pigtailed haircut, yeah, um, it's kind of weird they weren't presenting that.
1: I agree. It, it definitely feels like well, they had her in that wardrobe for shooting, so come maybe. over here, yeah, get in the cockpit. It does feel that way. Now, looking at Rey here, would you say, yes, she looks like the daughter of a clone of Palpatine? <laughs> would you say that she's given off those vibes?
0: Uh, Maybe a little bit, because you... if you look at her look, she's it's a relatively severe look. It's trying to sell the fact that this is this powerful new female character. Very much so. And I think one of the weird things that's very strange is just the way that she's sitting with her her body kind of um, oblique to the camera yeah. and the headrest. She's a little androgynous here. Oh, that's an interesting go. Okay. Um, because you can't really see her hair, her f- and her femininity is like you can see a little bit of like the shape of her chest, but even then, it's got all these extra crisscrossing wraps. I see so, what you're saying
1: that's an interesting take. Okay. So there's
0: a sort of um, you know, like I said, it, it's not. It, this is not the f- the gentle femininity of Leia. This is something else. That's that's
1: really a really good point because. This is a brand. I mean, this is our main character. First yeah. off, like we're learning about her really for the first time. It is a really interesting point that, that she is. I mean, first off, not overly sexualized. Correct. Which a lot of films sh- struggle with. A lot of modern. You know. I mean, we're getting better. We'll even but... take
0: like Padme was, uh, especially in Episode Two. But in just yeah. in general was had a little more of that. Just because. Yeah part of how you sell a movie
1: absolutely so i mean it's great to see that that's the case and it's really uh, to me more interesting that you read it that way yeah. because you're 100 right i see exactly what you're saying but that didn't even cross my mind sure you mm-hmm. know it was more about like okay what part of the film does this represent um so this is an interesting one we'll come back and we'll talk about it. we're going to compare them all kind of once we're done but sure let's go on and let's talk about the four from the last jedi so a couple of years go by And unfortunately, before The Last Jedi comes out, we lose Carrie. Yes. And I assume that the four covers were not always the plan. Because what we have is we have a cover with Luke and Rey on Octu. Yep. We have a cover with Rose, Finn, Poe, and Mm BB-8. We have a cover with Phasma without the helmet. Yep. Kylo and Hux.
0: And then we have a cover that's just Leia by herself. Yeah, I get the feeling that when you look at this, one thing that's interesting about this is they all have the same sort of like um gray backdrop except for the um Ray and Luke. Yeah, they're very much on Octu. And 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 especially when you look at Leia, you can literally see the cutting which tells me that this was this shot that we're looking at of Leia is probably was either a test shot as she was getting figuring yeah. out or this was a single stand up that they could later composite together into a multiple shot if they needed to.
1: Yeah. It almost looks like based on the background that it could fit really well. She could be right next to Rose there or Poe, you know? Yeah. Like... She
0: could have been in a, in a, in a bigger group ensemble. Cause especially when you look at like the Phasma, um, Phasma are villains. Yeah. Uh, I think they might be on the same set in this picture, but they could be composited together cause it's really hard to tell. The facial yeah. lighting for the direction of the light is pretty similar, but then you know this got post-processed a lot because Kylo Ren has a working lightsaber, which he obviously did not have when <laughs> Annie Leibovitz pressed the shutter button. So, like I said, it feels to me that that Leia shot most likely was not one of the hero shots that Annie Leibovitz left her shoot going, that's going on the cover. Yeah, I think it was a later on of, oh, this is this beautiful stoic shot of her that really sells yeah. the the... Grace and loss that everyone's yeah. sort of feeling coming out of Last Jedi. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, let's start there with Carrie. Then with that sure. issue out of, out of the four. Okay. So she's wearing that fantastic coat that we see her wear, either a very similar and an exact copy of on crate. Yeah. That's the coat we're wearing. You know, the one with the great collar. That kind of hides her face.
0: And she's got a little like eighth of her face covered even here with the collar, even though it's yeah, open on one side. The bottom side, left corner, her like jawline. Yeah. And I think that's on purpose because I think we all really relate to that shot in Crate where she's just sort of looking out. Oh, as, it's like, so beautiful. As, as things are coming she's, she's in, like, she's kind of protecting herself with this collar that's going up and going around her mouth, but her eyes are just piercing out. And it's like a great back and forth of this graceful person who doesn't want war, but is also a general and is going to take care of this yes.
1: totally in charge. Yeah. As
0: lay always is
1: now on the cover. I also want to point out this year, 2017 was the 40th anniversary of star Wars. Right? So there's a little call out to that on the cover. Uh, and then just, you know, Oh, inside information from the last Jedi, you know, they're very plain covers.
0: And there's a little like message here that says the the legacy is kind of what they frame this cover is called. I mean, one of the things you can tell tell from this is there's not that young upstarts come in and change Star Wars. This is much more of a, Star Wars is 40 years old. It's an institution. Yeah. Look at these great ombudsmen of the new <laughs> Star Wars. Uh,
1: I'm glad Carrie got her own cover. Yeah. Uh, especially for this film, which, I mean, I I find I would argue it's her best performance in the sequel trilogy and maybe overall yeah uh i love it i think what ryan was able to get her to do with luke uh you know with mark in their scenes together and i uh when i mean you know you can't really count the rise of skywalker because that's not playing with a full deck but when you compare it to what she delivered in force awakens it's just it's a completely night and day different person
0: performing and i'm i mean this is the perfect uh it's a nice you tribute. Know, the
1: perfect tribute, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that Dovetails, if we go back to um the force cover, which is where we have Daisy Ridley and Mark Hamill. Yes, absolutely. Um, we again, this this is I would probably suspect this was probably the one that had the most circulation, if I had to guess. I would
1: imagine this was probably the the primary one. Yeah. I mean, I I I uh, Vanity Fair at the time had a special. I was not a subscriber, but it was like I don't know, maybe thirty six dollars for shipping and everything and you got all four covers a collectible poster that had all four covers on it and then a year of subscription to so i remember i got that and so i didn't i wasn't out at the newsstands looking for them yeah so i don't know if one was necessarily more available than the others or anything like that like when we get to the rise of skywalker ones i do feel like i saw a lot more of the Kylo variant than I did the Ray, for example. Yeah. Uh, but we'll talk about that more in a second. So here we have Luke in his Jedi Master robes. So the robes mm-hmm. we see at the end of The Force Awakens and the end of The Last Jedi, the white and brown and gray, his mm-hmm. ceremonial robes compared to his hermit robes or his flashback robes. Right. Now, you have Rey in what I think is Rey's best outfit. Eventually, we'll do a breakdown. But the (laughs) outfit I like the best for Rey is the one she wears at the end of The Force Awakens and into her the majority of The Last Jedi. The vest, the arm wraps. It's this beautiful combination of Han Solo and a Jedi. Um, She doesn't have a hood, but that's okay. She's got that high collar. Um the pants, you know, she's not wearing the Jedi skirt, which she gets some of later. Well,
0: I love that it's a formalization of her original outfit. Yes. Because she still has the arm guards. She still has the kind of capri cut pants and the boots. But they're all color match now. They look like tailored garments rather than just what she could find in the desert. And as we see as Last Jedi goes on, they frame her up as these are a pseudo Jedi robes. Like the color palette and sort of the um, way it frames is very, very that. And you can kind of see that in this picture because, again, her colors are are more muted gray than his. But they have Mark all swaddled up in that. Yeah, they do.
1: He's covered up. His robotic hand is gloved. Um, Yeah, it's an interesting choice. huh?
0: But it makes them look more similar than like when. Luke takes off that he's got a much more bright palette to his clothes. So to me,
1: I, I see what you're saying, but if Luke had just brought the robe down, so still on, wouldn't that make them look even more similar? True,
0: but I think, like I said, I think there's something that they're trying to say here with the fact if Ray is straight on with the camera, which is a fairly aggressive posture, and she is staring directly at us. Yeah. Yeah. And her eyes are kind of shadowed. And I think part of this is to probably start painting the picture of, you know, where is Ray going? Yeah. Light side, dark side, because especially if anyone on the Vanity Fair team got to even touch the script, that is something that they play with through most of that movie. Yeah. Um, and this also is really paying up to that 40th anniversary thing of the fact of here is the avatar of the original generation of Star Wars. And here is the avatar of the new generation of Star Wars. This is Luke, the OT hero. Here is our sequel hero. And they are right next to each other. And are they the last Jedi? Because this is still the epicenter of, well, Jedi is the plural for Jedi. So maybe it's referring to both of them, (laughs) which when they clause the last Jedi, well, when they clause the line at the end of the movie, we're kind of like, oh, Raise The Last Jedi. That's that's what the title is yeah. trying to hammer into your head at the end of the movie. But Well, it switches at the beginning of the movie. Luke's The Last Jedi. Yes. Right? That's the idea. Is it's that transitional period, which is great. Yeah. But, I mean, at this time, we were all talking about The Last Jedi. We thought it was maybe these two are going to team up and yes. go fight the galaxy, which in a weird way they do. They do, yes. Uh, okay.
1: So then we have our other heroes. Yes. Rose, Finn, Poe, and BB-8. I love this one. I, I he just love looks it. a little more alive in this one which he is nice. does he's lit up a little bit better um this is the colors work for me here they're all together you got uh, Finn and Poe touching which I know
0: people go crazy over so that's great and they've got that uh, great the great bromance there because oh, yeah. it's, it's Poe leaning on Finn's shoulder and just going like hey nice jacket is that mine
1: <laughs> you can <laughs> keep
0: an, it and then they're both confidently looking at the camera and yeah. then we've got them with kind of these wonderfully like stern like Hey, what's up? We're heroes. Yeah, deal with it. Like, they've got fairly Mm -hmm. serious looks. Mm -hmm. That smoky look. Yeah, yeah, and then I love that Rose, who's a little pushed to the side in a fun kind of way, I don't think in a demeaning way, has like the way more bright kind of like, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, totally. Just having a good old time. Uh,
1: It's funny. You're right. You're right. Because during that movie, she is... A little bit more lively. You know, the emotions you see her go through, she's got a really wide range. And uh, it's nice to see some expression from her because after this, we will never get them on a cover again uh, for Vanity
0: Fair. This will be the last
1: one for all three of them.
0: And this cover is marked as the resistance as it shows, you know, Oscar Isaacs and John Bodega and and, uh, Kelly Marie Tran. And I love the fact that when you look at this, they represent all of them. Poe yeah. is the guy who's been with the resistance the whole time. Finn is the guy who's deciding if he's going to be a resistance. Does yeah. he care about this? And then you ha- have Rose, who is her whole point in this movie is she is the beating heart. Yeah. She is what they are fighting for and represents why why the resistance needs to exist. Yeah, totally. And then you got BB-8 because, I mean, that's just- You got to have BB-8. Who, who and he's like not an octu. Who doesn't so. like BB-8?
1: <laughs> now a lack of bb9e from the dark side cover i noticed
0: they didn't have bb9e on they, there maybe that wasn't finished um because i do know that was a late ad i think okay um but so. yeah they, they're missing out on some brand synergies here because bb8 yeah. bb9e was everywhere <laughs> once the toys started being right. rolled off the shelves Got a
1: pop and everything all right so let's talk about the dark side so Ooh. we have Hux, let's start with him because he's probably the least to say uh looking sinister as ever Hair, not a single hair out of place. Uh evil, those high cheekbones.
0: Can't see his arms, as is usual for his pictures.
1: Yeah, Mac is Mac is a big believer that under those gloves he's got laser tentacle arms.
0: It was a real running gag because for the early images for Hucks, he always was wearing the big overcoat like um like you know, like varsity cheerleader style, like over his shoulders without his arms exposed, huh. which was just weird to me, especially because like we had three pictures and they all had him like that. Yeah, they did. Um, so it was like, maybe he doesn't have arms. Maybe he's just got something else under there, like <laughs> laser tentacles or something. He does not in fact have laser tentacles. No, they but, seem like regular arms to me. But I think the weird thing about this is that picture could have been taken for, um, you know, uh, the force awakens and you could have told could never have told me that it was specifically from the last Jedi set.
1: Yeah. If you're not a person who knows the difference in like the stitching of each outfit between movies. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a way you'd really be able to tell. Cause I sure as I can't,
0: but he's looking great. He's looking tired, which is kind of his mood all throughout the last Jedi. And also, yes. uh, again, a kind of aggressive stare down at, th- <laughs> at the audience. All right. How about
1: Phasma? She's in the back left corner. Maskless. Which Gwendolyn Christie cool. without
0: the mask. I um, mean, I love also, it. Also, as far as I'm considered, canon what Phasma looks like under the mask. <laughs> That's what I want to say. Yes,
1: yes, I would agree. I would agree that Phasma looks like Gwendolyn Christie under the mask. I, I mean, would, we I at least
0: know it, it looks like Gwendolyn Christie's eye, because we do get to see that. We in the do film. get to see that. Um. So, you know, I love Phasma to death.
1: I know you're a fan of the design. I think she looks great here. She's got her staff with her. I don't know. That thing had a name, I feel like, that metal toothpick th- thing, that giant toothpick. I think
0: uh, it was a, a Vibra Pike. I could be wrong.
1: Oh, maybe. Maybe. I, I think don't it was know a, offhand. I think
0: it was either a Force Pike or a Vibra fi- mm, Pike.
1: Okay. Um, I love her cape. I love that her cape has that red lining so it
0: pokes out a little bit. And you see it here because it's across They're her one shoulder. are so much more aware of capes, hoods, and overcloaks now? Oh, my gosh. Very much so. I have such strong opinions <laughs> about it. And, again, I think this is one of the greatest capes in all of Star Wars. It's a good one. If you didn't hear our cape talk,
1: head back to episode 28 uh, with our special guest, the Cavalier. A lot of fun. It's, it's very You good. may think that an hour on capes is too much, but oh, no, no. Here at Star Wars All In. An hour on capes is just enough. There could be more. (laughs) Um, All right. But she looks great. And again,
0: it sets her up as she's going to be one of the primary protagonists of this movie, which we'll get to what all four of these covers meant to the actual film.
1: Yeah. All right. And then we have Kylo here. Yes. So Kylo uh, without his mask now. I mean, we didn't have him on the last on last cover, but, you know, no mask. We're going maskless. We all wondered what was going to happen.
0: And it's kind of a pump fake here because with Gidl and Chrisley also without a mask, it doesn't really telegraph the fact that that's true. he won't really be wearing the mask the whole movie.
1: Uh, so one thing that's interesting is he does have the moved scar. He does. So at this I looked point, for that, too. Yeah. Ryan had moved the scar. And if you know, if you know me well, you know there's one thing I complain about in The Last Jedi. Only one. Only one. Well, those moving of the scar.
0: You don't move it. It was established. It, it already happened. Yep. And that. more importantly, the thing that you and I will also say just drives us nuts. You could have gone back to Force Awakens before DVD and moved it there if you knew you were yeah, going to do it. Yeah,
1: we do that. We special edition everything around here. It just wouldn't have been that big of a deal. It would just Still be a bunch of people
0: it. with the mandala effect going like, wasn't the scar there when I saw them in theaters? Well, it's, it's moved now. I must just be misremembering things. <laughs> uh,
1: I couldn't agree more. Come on, Ryan. Such a dumb what little thing. Uh, okay. Otherwise, it's great. I mean, this is great. You know, I'm I'm gonna side towards the villains. Um, I think the Luke and Ray is probably my favorite, but at the same time, the carry. But I also like the like visually. I think the Resistance one, the Ray Finn and Rose, yeah, or sorry, Poe Finn and Rose, uh, is probably the one visually that's the most appealing to me. Okay, of course, the one I like the best is the one that has Luke on it. But then the Kylo one. I don't know. I lean towards the dark side. But ultimately, I think the Carrie one is my favorite out of the four just because of what it represents. And Yeah. I mean, you know, the, it's hard to argue.
0: I think it's more representative of the story we were feeling about Last Jedi at the time. Yeah. Though, I think that the Force cover with Rey and Luke, I think, is the one most emblematic. Of what the movie is? Of what the movie was me- both representing and was. Okay. Um, because... Like I said, looking say okay, so now we can look at them back as okay, yeah the movies have at come all out four, yeah um the Ray and Luke one you can kind of see that they are not together, there is a kind of rift here. Luke is covering himself up and withdrawing. Yes, uh, like Ray is maybe you know a foot away from this from the yelling at him in the rain speech because of how aggressive her posture is yes. like. She she is ready to go fight the galaxy and Luke's like no nah, I'm going to stay here with She's my security blanket. I'm not yeah. going to go anywhere. Yes,
1: I I would agree completely. Uh obviously Finn, Poe, Rose and BB8 they stay on an adventure together throughout the entire film. And in a fun which, way, you know,
0: this betrays something that we didn't know, which is like we didn't know, oh, the, the this this little team is going to be half the movie. This is a crew that's gonna be doing half the movie's work. Yeah, yeah. We didn't know that going in, right? We just thought, oh, here's the three other characters that aren't the principal. <laughs> yeah. Um and and you know, I um I think it's really cool because like we said, they they go on their whole adventure together.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: Uh visually, Mac, which one do you like the best?
0: Um Probably the Jedi one, and I think one of the other things about the Jedi one is it is in a much more interesting locale because it's got the backdrop of Ireland there as Octu. Yes, which makes it a little more visually interesting to me.
1: It is interesting because The Force Awakens, we get the Falcon. Yep. Out of these four, only one of them, which is the other reason why I think maybe that was the original. Yeah. Uh, And then with The Rise of Skywalker, we have backgrounds
0: as well. And I think it's just, that's a piece of Star Wars that's not in the other ones, which is fine, but they feel like variant covers because of that. Yeah, totally.
1: Okay. Uh, ready to go on to the Rise of Skywalker? Rise of Skywalker. All right. So here we only have two, and it's really simple. We got a Ray Palpatine and a Kylo Ren. Yep. Those are our two covers. They're both Ray, full body, Kylo. It's like from the knees up. Yeah. Uh, they're both centered solely on them. Now- Based on the way the movie was advertised, based on everything we knew after The Last Jedi, this seemed to be a, make a ton of sense, right? This story is about them and the bond that they have together. Yep. Now, no matter what, right, that was ultimately the goal, it looks like, I think, of these covers. Now, the only other difference, really, is that Rey is looking straight ahead. She is wearing her Episode Nine outfit, which... You know, very similar to episode seven outfit. Yep. Ky- uh, her hood is down. You can't really even tell she has a hood here. Uh, Kylo looking off into the distance, looking off to the, you know, the off screen.
0: Yeah. Kylo's getting a treatment very similar to his. Um, <laughs> if you look at his Vanity Fair cover from Last Jedi, all he did was just turn his head about like three degrees to his left. And it's basically the same kind of pose because uh, it, it's yes. this kind of squared up shoulders, aggressive pose. He's he's looking the only difference between this and the other one is he's looking off to the distance, whereas Ray is looking a little more towards us. And they are both looking in opposite directions compared to each other. Yes.
1: So is Ray's her background because her the backgrounds are on uh, Pasana. Mm-hmm. You know where they have their first confrontation in the film—the
0: little force duel.
1: Yeah, uh, is Ray's background sunrise and Kylo's background sunset?
0: Oh, I can is see that how that. you
1: take that? Because Ray's is yellowish, and it looks like the brightest part is right at the mountain line. Yeah, not up above her. Whereas Kylo's looks orangish and red, and to me, that's a nighttime, a
0: sunset. And it's kind of tough to tell, but I feel that if I'm not crazy here, I feel like these are almost a continuous look and that like rays would be to the left of the Kylo. Cause there's this rock formation that's on the right hand side of her picture. That seems like it could continue to the left on Kylo. I a
1: hundred percent agree. Cause like, especially as you slide back and forth with them on a phone, which is what I'm doing. Me too. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. So here's the thing, right? The rise of Skywalker Ultimately, represented the end of Ben Solo's journey and the beginning of Ray's. Right, right. The last shot of the Rise of Skywalker is the binary sunset. Yep. Which, as we know in Star Wars, is always the start of an and adventure. New right. Yep. And basically, Ray and Ben are able to put the Skywalker legacy to an end. Yeah. Right. That's what happens.
0: I I, I can see that. And, and again, and we're seeing the two sides of the coin, which is what the whole thing's going to be about. Yeah. Um. I think the I think the only thing that's very interesting is we're noticing again that it looks like again sunrise sunset like two sides of this canyon the shadowy side and the bright side and then the weird thing about it is like I just find it odd that they don't have the same exact framing. You see her head to yeah. toe toe and Kylo Ren gets cut off uh like At the just knees. Yeah, yeah just around the knees. Yeah, it's very odd.
1: And the the placement of the text is different on each issue. Yeah, it, which I
0: find a little weird. It, it it certainly is. I'm I'm a little confused by it. And I, uh, I you know another thing about it was did this shot maybe originally have a lightsaber in Kylo Ren's hand? Because it is weird how his um like the skirt of his uh, doublet there is just happens to be right over his hand and it just forms a perfect shadow over where his hand should be. It seems a little
1: weird. That is an interesting one. I didn't notice that. The little a little bit of his skirt is kind of flaring up.
0: Yeah, and it covers his and hand then, and like yeah. I said, if I was photoshopping, it looks like I put a really dark black shadow there that I could just paint out. Yeah. <laughs> um cuz Ray is totally equipped with her weapon. She's running around with her staff. Yeah. Also odd cuz when you think of Ray, you're not thinking of At episode nine of oh her staff like yeah yeah, she has it but like she's using the freaking lightsaber
1: yeah does she use the staff anywhere other than the training montage at the beginning I don't uh
0: maybe not one could argue she uses it to make a lightsaber but um sure fair but I guess the thing about it is the weird thing about this cover is the fact that you can kind of see that Vanity Fair was doing their doing their business they were excited about this but when you compare the march through the the covers the 2015 one is Star Wars. There's nothing else on our cover. We are all Star Wars. Last Jedi. We are mostly Star Wars. Here, a little tiny font at the very bottom is some other stories that are in this issue. Yeah. And this one is basically just a normal cover. Star Wars is the big splash, but there are a number of things all around it that are like, oh, we have other things to talk about too. And it just seems weird to me that Rey is being dressed up very Force Awakens. Yeah. And Kylo Ren is being dressed up as very... Like, nothing. He doesn't have his lightsaber. He doesn't have his mask. He's, he's This is not a yeah. very iconic picture to me of him, other than just reminding you of, hey, man, Adam Driver's a hell of an actor. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. that's all this. This is more of an Adam Driver picture than something that screams Kylo Ren to me. Yeah, I get that.
1: Um, there's so, there's something about the low lighting and the hair and the wind and all that that I like the look of these a lot because yeah. they look like they go together so well compared to The Last Jedi. Uh, shots.
0: This is this is a
1: dyad. Yeah, it is a dyad. Uh, so I, I'm a fan of these for sure. So
0: no, 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 I don't want to s- sound like a bit smirching to them. It's just they feel very to be, to be yeah. blunt, they feel like Vanity Fair covers. Yes. Whereas the other ones feel like Vanity Fair punching above its weight to help push. Yes. You know, a movie. It yes. reminds me of like the first Vanity Fair thing I ever really contact, which was the the lush things they did when they introduced the Lord of the Rings to people. Cause they, they broke that as well as some of the first interesting um, stills from New Zealand. Um, and um, I don't know. I think the other thing about it is this tells you nothing about the movie. Yes. Nothing. We, we, that's you, you, I think observed very well. The sunrise sunset. That is something that can be definitely read into this. Yeah. But unlike our previous ones, Like I said, if you would have printed the Ray cover in 2015, I would have assumed, oh, this is on uh, Jakku, and uh, this is for The Force Awakens. Yeah. And there really isn't anything to challenge me, because even looking at her, she doesn't even have the lightsaber equipped in any obvious way on her. Mm -mm. You can actually see her gun, and that's about it. Yeah, totally. Also, another thing I'm just going to mention, her hand is also weirdly obscured. (laughs) Huh. I mean, if you look at it, it's the opposite hand, but, like, her hand is also just sort of getting lost in her, um, the, the, uh, what would you call it? The those? font. The, 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 the toga piece of mm. her clothes, the flowing cross over her chest. It comes down into these tails, and those tails are just eating her hand, which is weird. Wait, in the Force Awakens? No, 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 in The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Okay. in The Rise of Skywalker. I'm saying she looks Force yes. Awakens because there's nothing about her look here that obviously telegraphs this is from Episode 9 is all I'm trying to say. It's weird they both have a hand covered
1: and neither of them lost a hand.
0: Yeah. Isn't that weird? I bet you a lot of people speculated about they both lost their hands. Do you know what that means? That means they're both going to have their hands and then the Emperor's going to cut them off and he's going to make them into, I don't know, robot hands or something. I don't know.
1: Ever read that book, The Glove of Darth Vader? It's oh, got that man. magic in there, that it's, leftover dark side. It's deep inside Lake
0: Yoda. <laughs> or no, it's in the shadow of, of oh uh, Mount Yoda. I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. Um, don't
1: read it's those. awesome It's awesome. Uh, spoilers for 25-year-old young reader books. Um, so, all right, Mac, we took to our Twitter. Yes. And we asked, what was your favorite? So the Force Awakens era, Vanity Fair, The Last Jedi, or the... Rise of Skywalker. Now, this is a little bit unfair because you're comparing one magazine to four magazines to two magazines. Sure. But let me tell you the results anyway.
0: But we're not about being completely fair here.
1: That's true. <laughs> uh, in third place at 25 percent, and I should point out, uh, I ran this poll for about three days. We had 20 participants. So thank oh, you to okay. everyone on our Twitter who voted. Uh, and I didn't vote. So I'm not one of those 20. I uh, use TweetBot, so I can't see polls. <laughs> same. Exactly part of the problem. Um Okay, so at third third place, 25%, The Force Awakens, the single issue. Yep. Understandable. Um, to me, it might be the one that might be the most visually appealing, just because it's in that Millennium Falcon set. It's the one that screams Star Wars the most. It, definitely. Uh, Han looks great, but ultimately, I don't like BB-8 in it. I don't like the way Finn and Ray are really positioned, so not my favorite, but I'm a fan of it. Uh, in second place at 35%, The Last Jedi 4-pack. Okay. This would probably be my vote. I think visually I like The Rise of Skywalker and The Force Awakens covers both better from a layout perspective for their backgrounds and their locations. But you've got Carrie. You've got the three heroes of the Resistance. you got the three villains. you got Luke and Rey. I just like having so many options. I,
0: I think the four packs are the strongest, but it's also I think they did a great job of theming. Each one of them, like I think it's really important the idea of the force. Yes, you know the the, dark side. The dark side, the resistance, the legacy. Like those are all strong themes, and they play out really well in the covers. I
1: agree completely, and it's great to have Carrie get her own cover because she's not on any of the other ones. It is, and then winning at forty percent. So we only had forty to thirty-five to twenty-five. So five and ten percent gaps, pretty darn great. Uh, the rise of Skywalker covers the right low covers.
0: Okay, and again, I, I think they make a very good twosome, and again, mm-hmm. I think out of all these covers, if you stitched them together, it would make one good flowing image. Oh, 100% far um, and away the best. I'm going to say something really off and weird. that oh, I don't like their font choices on this.
1: For the the Star Wars logo, or... The Star Wars
0: logo, and in general, it's a lot of script, which admittedly, Vanity Fair has a very sans-serif, or I'm sorry, serif... Um, font so it's well, not surprising you with that, know that but...
1: better than i do for sure but it's interesting because for the force awakens they use this just solid gold block yeah which against the black background i think is my favorite and i think it's the thing i like the most about that in the last jedi they use a transition they it's use a gradient a yeah gradient and then the rise of skywalker ones are very tiny in comparison yeah you're looking at something that's
0: more of like a i don't know 20 to 30 point font and they're extremely kerned out. They're very wide Mm -hmm. and there's lots of gaps between the letters. And then mostly it just seems weird because star Wars is a very block letter in like all of its permutations as a logo has always been these solid block letters. And whereas the other two, whether it's gold or the gradient are not connecting the R's and the S's like you'd expect from the logo. They are referencing the treatment. We're used to seeing the logo, the, the solid gold you know it's more yellow in the movies but that's more what you think of the movies or on the on the boxes of right. like the the movies the star wars with the gradient that's very similar to the roped around version that we saw as a logo on millions of products of merchandise yes and then the other one is just, it's 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 way more subtle now the nice thing is it makes it more emphasis on the pictures 100% true um but at the same time i i just I think these covers are a lot busier than the previous five and I just find that strange
1: I can understand that yeah I can absolutely understand that do you have a favorite then
0: Uh, my I think okay so I I, I agree the four pack I think is the strongest uh, batch and I'm I think I'm still gonna go with um, Octu with Ray and Luke and I think because not only does that to me sell like the entire concept of the last Jedi and what it's um, I guess, most important questions we wanted to answer was, oh, hey, the movie starts right when Octo starts. I'm like, I want to know what's going on. And mm-hmm. it's the thing that capsulates the movie for me. But I think it also is a great way of summing up the entire sequel trilogy of this torch passing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that the legacy characters are here and they're not exactly how you thought they would be. And they are here to let this new generation take the lead. Absolutely. And I think there's something very poetic about the fact that when you look at Ray and Luke, Luke literally is right behind Ray. Ray is literally stepping in front of him. Yeah. So.
1: Luke is a legend. And, uh, you know, sometimes legends have to
0: inspire others. And that's what that cover's doing. He's doing his Obi-Wan. That's right. (laughs) I'll be more powerful as an object to her mind than anything I could
1: possibly (laughs) actually do. Yeah. All right, Mac. Well, now that we've talked about the print medium, would you like to move over to the video game medium? Sure. (laughs) Yeah? Want to head there next?
0: Let's do it. All right. Continue. Arden Lynn versus Darth Vader. Final round. Fight. (laughs) Ah!
1: You lose all too easy. October 31st. 1997 Mm -hmm. you've just come back you've got your full bag of trick-or-treating candy oh yeah you it's a nice cold fall night in uh, western Pennsylvania I was uh, probably dressed up let's see 97 Uh, I was probably rocking a uh, actually I might have been Darth Vader in 97 now that I think about it I was either Darth Vader or a pirate I'll I'll do some fact checking on that but I think I might have been Vader that year but you come home, you have your candy, and you've got a brand new copy of Masters of Terras Yeah, waiting for you to pop into the PlayStation. Oh, yeah. Now, for those of you who may not uh, remember this night in uh, 1997, let's tell you a little bit about it. So Terras Kasi was a 3D fighting game for the PlayStation. Uh, it was the first playstation and fighting game for lucas arts so we had already gotten shadows of the empire at this point we were on the cusp of jedi knight and then eventually knights of the old republic Uh, so there was a lot to come a lot that already had happened but this was the first attempt at a playstation game and as someone who owned a playstation i was very into the idea of getting a star wars game Now, even though I just uh, painted that nice little narrative for you, I didn't actually have this game on release in '97. No, not at
0: all. Did you? So I didn't own a PlayStation at the time. My brother did, Uh, but um, I, I never, I didn't own a PlayStation until 2001. Oh, okay. Oh no, we were definitely that that brothers of like, like this is my PlayStation. If you touch it, I'll kill you. Oh, Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh,
1: that was the generation of consoles where I was spoiled because. I had a Sega Genesis, a Nintendo 64, and a PlayStation. See, I was playing N64 at the time. Uh, I, was, yes. I was
0: more of an Episode 1 racer kid. So it was definitely... Well, Episode 1 racer would have been a couple
1: years after this, unfortunately. Uh, Shadows of the Empire, though. Yes, I was... So Shadows of the Empire was definitely my first Star Wars game. Um, so my first experience with Terras Kasi was I actually had a cousin uh, who had it on her PlayStation. And so when we go to visit, I could play it. But I definitely didn't understand it i knew it was star wars i know i could be luke skywalker and that was about all i knew so if you don't know the premise of the game mm-hmm. takes place after episode four basically the empire has hired arden lynn uh yeah. deadly master in the art of Terrace kasi to go after the heroes of the rebellion who blew up the first death star those monsters those monsters so i mean war criminals of uh, uh, terrorists guerrilla fighters man awful awful uh so arden lynn is this woman uh with a robotic arm who uh is a master of, of the fighting style terrace kassi now this is something that if you never played the game you may still be familiar with because this is also mentioned in the movie solo which is one of the reasons we're sure. talking about it today because now this fighting style is something that's officially been introduced in a star wars film uh so that's what this game was it was a 3d fighting game that you got to play some different characters
0: and uh do some cool fighting so i mean the big thing about it was that you have to understand at the time lucas arts did a great job of taking whatever was popular in um video games and rolling a star wars license around it and the thing that made LucasArts great is they made all kinds of other IP that was totally exclusive to them. Didn't involve Indiana Jones or Star Wars or any of that stuff, which made them a very legitimate game company. Yeah. And so when they did the Star Wars stuff, the thing that made them special was they never felt like, hey, Tekken's popular. We need a Star Wars Tekken. It never felt that way. It always felt like they would say, hey, this genre is popular. We're going to do our own spin on it. Yeah. And we're going to bring something new. We're going to change something. We're going to be... be shamelessly stealing from the the things that are going on in the world but our games will always have their own little spark their own little thing that makes them feel like they're not ripoffs or clones or cash grabs which was always impressive and this was a huge game at the time because this was the biggest thing going on in the arcades after the arcades sort of got their second lease on life when street fighter 2 came out A lot of these tournament style games like fighting games and eventually uh, the late 90s would be dominated by uh, Dance Dance Revolution machines and Mm -hmm. things that people would do tournaments based around were huge. And at this time, um, Tekken was at its height. Uh, You had just seen other franchises go to 3D like Mortal Kombat 4 had just come out as a 3D game. And my first experience with this game was at the arcades. There was an arcade cabinet? It was originally an arcade cabinet, and the PlayStation version you're playing is the home port of it. I didn't know that. And they added, uh, I think they added two characters, if I remember correctly. But like, um, Yeah, so there's a much higher res, prettier version of this that was the arcade, because arcade hardware was always more expensive, so it could do more. Um, And it was based originally, I think it's based on, I think Capcom had like Star Gladiator, which was their own weird thing before they were ready to try and put Street Fighter in 3D, which, well, that wouldn't pan out for like another 10 years, but um, they were... They were saying, like, well, hey, you know, these fighting games are huge in arcades. This is kind of the anchor for arcades. Mm-hmm. So if you're making a Star Wars one, let's put it in the actual arcades. Yeah. And uh, the the fun for all over where we live is where <laughs> I played this game a bunch really? one summer. Yeah. I can't believe they had it. Wow. Who knew? And Terrace Cassie is kind of crazy because the whole idea is you have this, this form of fighting that is designed to deal with force user. It's an anti-jedi martial art essentially. Cuz yeah. Arden Lynn, I don't know if you did you do your research? Did you read her backstory? Uh no, not more than what it tells you in the game. It's ridiculous. Oh really? Okay, hit me. So she she was born 25,000 years before before the events of this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, during like the age of like Zim the Despot and all this other oh, super sure, sure, sure. ancient, old, weird Star Wars legacy stuff. Sure, of course. And yeah. her whole thing is like she ends up in stasis, and this is where like Darth Vader and this Empire find her, and they're like, ah, you will you are great and powerful in the ways of the divorce. We will give you a robot arm to complete your your mal you know, your broken form, and then kill Luke Skywalker for me. And she's like, Okay. <laughs> like, it's such a bizarre weird thing and there are some weird oddities this roster has got you got Han Solo with his blaster because this is also, another thing, games like Soul Calibur or more its predecessor, Soul Blade and Soul Edge were coming out. So the idea of weapon fighters were starting to come out. Mortal Kombat 4 was dealing with this. So, like, yeah. everybody has a weapon. Arden's Lynn is her robot arm. Yeah. That's why she has a robot arm. So it's like when Luke hits her with a lightsaber, you go, oh, she's dead. Oh, no, her robot arm has kurtosis or something that stops it. <laughs> uh Han has a blaster. Yep. Leia's in her like bush um, bounty hunter gear, so mm-hmm. she's got more of like a a, um, a a pike. Yeah, she also there was an unlockable Leia
1: where she was in her uh, bikini as well. Yes, there was. Yes, a uh, Hut Slayer Leia, as it's now called. We
0: don't call it Slave uh, Leia. That's anymore. right, Hut Slayer. Hut Slayer right. Leia. Uh... <laughs> but you had other weirdos because Luke's in here, and it's between Episode four and five, essentially. But then yes. everyone's in the Return of the Jedi stuff. Which Luke's is, is more of a... No, Luke's is more his
1: Bespin fatigues. But he's got... doesn't Is his lightsaber green in this game, though? It's blue when I played it. Oh, maybe... Unless there's an unlockable... No, I think there might be. That's what I'm thinking of. I the think The cover was. is him in his that's, Return of the Jedi outfit, That's though, what I'm thinking which of. Which is odd. So maybe there is a skin. I think skin. it's an unlockable. There must be. But I know the, the base is his episode five.
0: Yeah, and so you've got... You've got Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Leia. You got Chewie in there. And then you've got Boba Fett starting the Uh thing that Boba Fett was getting hyper popular. And uh, yeah, then you've got Thok and Hoar. (laughs) I just want to clarify. He said Thok, T-H-O-K. T-H-O-K and Hoar, H-O-A-R.
1: In the game, it's very much pronounced (laughs) whore. Is it? I just
0: want to, when they say it. I'm trying to like raise this podcast up.
1: Okay, whore. That's what they. That's how they there's pronounce no it. There's no
0: way that the 20 to 30-somethings who made this game did not know what they were doing when they did that.
1: I mean, listen, I'm
0: not here so, to judge. So, Whore um, so is a Tuscan Raider.
1: Yes. And it's great because when you lose, it goes, Thor, Whore wi- wins. <laughs> uh, and then Thok, a Gamorian yep. guard. Um, but that's not what I want to talk about. All right. There's also okay. a Stormtrooper.
0: Uh, but... Well, were... no, no. So there's secret characters that were basically yes. characters that, like, you have the boss character of Darth Vader. He's the final boss of the game. Yes, not surprising there. Then you had Leia in Hut Slayer gear, yeah. as we talked about. You have a stormtrooper. All you right, have now these the... last couple. Okay, as I say, so you've got the redeco of yeah. Boba Fett. The let's repaint him and call him a different character. Yes, that's Jodo Cast. Jodo Cast. There's an action figure of Jodo Cast. Well, Jodo Cast important in, in in if you are following Boba Fett. The... Uh, we haven't got to this, we haven't done the Bo- Boba Fett retrospective past the 80s. So we're not talking about what Boba Fett was in the dark yeah. times. But when Boba Fett pulled himself out of that Sarlacc pit, most of his Mandalorian armor was destroyed. And, you know, Mando armor, which is, we couldn't go just see the armor <laughs> like our, our buddy yeah. in the Mandalorian does. No, no, no. He had to go find it. So he found Johto Cass, who at the time was running around in Mandalorian armor and was doing this whole bit where, hey, you look like Boba Fett. Uh huh. Are you Boba Fett? I don't know. I could be anybody. I mean, if you're gonna pay me more because I'm Boba Fett, pay me more. Boba Fett didn't take kindly to that. Killed Jodo Cast, mm-hmm. took his armor, and basically became made whole again yeah. with all of his gear by on uh, walking over the body of Jodo Cast. <laughs> so that one's kind of wild. Yeah. And, and then, then there's the big takeaway. If you want to know what Star Wars felt like in 1997, there is nothing more legacy like. Uh, fan fiction being writ large then a character coming from the books into the real quote-unquote canon with <sighs> Mara
1: Jade. Yes. So how rad was this to have this character? Now, we were a few years away. Um, she wasn't dead yet in Legends. Spoiler for Legends, I guess. Uh, Ma- Mara Jade eventually dies, but it's well after the new Jedi Order. Which didn't start till '99, so this was '97. So yeah, so So, Mara Jade was still a long, a long life to live. Her son was still alive. Yep. Uh, So here she was fighting (laughs) against Luke and everybody
0: else. Well, and the thing about it was Mara Jade for a long time was like probably one of the biggest legends characters. Yeah. Like the character that like emblemized the EU. Yeah. Because it's like. Check out this really cool lady who is in the background of all these these events in Star Wars you didn't know about. She's super, you know, tough and awesome. And she she's, like, evil but with a heart of gold eventually. And, like, she's this very complex character. Mm-hmm. And uh, it reminds me of another journey of a character at the same, same time of, like, you had Harley Quinn showing up in the Batman animated series. And being made into now one of the most popular and most marketable characters of DC. Same thing was like Mara Jade. Mara Jade shows up in like a relatively small part of one of the novels, and then she became the thing. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, and it's kind of strange. I, I guess some people might not
1: know. Um, she is Luke Skywalker's oh, yeah. wife in Legends. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and the mother of his son ben, ben Skywalker. Uh, yeah. So a pretty cool thing to be able to play her in a video game because I don't think
0: we ever get that chance again and i could be wrong i think she's also technically she uses arden lynn's moveset for the most part oh so she's like a reskin well in these kinds of fighting games it was the only way to add extra characters was yeah. essentially skin them because you couldn't fit all the code for an entire fighting set uh, um, interesting okay but you know she was a hidden character in the great tradition of fighting game hidden characters the kind of yeah, stuff you talk around the arcade like, I think you played Mara Jade. No way, man. Mara Jade's not in there. Oh, no. You got a secret code. If you get this guy and you fight him five times, let your life bar go down to a quarter. Then you can unlock her and you have to fight her. And then you can play as her. This was the way of the world before the internet, was. children.
1: It was. It was
0: a People different said, time. total BS, fake news. And we went, <laughs> I have no way to fact check this. I'll just either have to believe you or just disregard it. Mm-hmm. This is horrible. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned, yeah. I want to mention just a little bit about yeah. Terras Kasi because it has a strange yes, legend. It, it was not just this arcade game and PlayStation game. It went on to kind of circle around Star Wars. One of the biggest places I remember it was it was a class in the um, MORPG that was Star Wars Galaxies. Really? You could play a melee fighter and master Terrace Kasi, which was this stand in you know, martial arts. Um and it's kind of ironic that that's a place that it showed up because when it came to canon, that's the first place it showed up as well. The mobile only massively multiplayer open world game, Star Wars Uprising, is the first canon place that we saw Taras Um And in this universe, like in the current canon, Taras is just a martial arts that may or may not be used against force users. It kind of is. But it's may or may not channel the force the way it was originally implied in Legends. And now the way we have it is Darth Maul was a practitioner of Taras Kassi,
1: a really? master.
0: And he gives that to Drayden Voss, who trains Kira with it, which is how we get to Solo, where she mentions it by name. Wow. uh in the where spice we, mines of kessel where do we have that darth maul was a practitioner of Terrace cosi just from my notes and looking at the wikipedia i believe that comes from the solo novelization no way mm-hmm. wow the, uh, is uh, that that drayden voss learned his learned his martial arts from darth maul oh, and man. then if that's the case and if kara calls it it's like a it's a backwards logic. If Kira calls it Teras and she learned it from Drayden Voss, and Drayden Voss in the novelization says he learned it from Darth Maul, then Darth Maul is a master Taras Wow, that's blowing my mind right now. Kinda of wild. This right? is great. This is why we don't
1: talk about topics before we record them. So. It. <laughs> it's content. Save it.
0: Save it. <laughs> um but uh... it's pretty great because for what was let's be honest Terragasi was a fun game but if you weren't a Star Wars fan it wasn't yeah, no, that not great a, great of a fighting game. game it's not that great It's hard we
1: just played it it's hard to control it's it, not
0: fun it, It's kind of clunky um, I tried to find a list of
1: levels I couldn't like there's Bespin oh, I have Do you that... have it I, I have it in my a good uh... So
0: there was the Tuscan Village on Tatooine is one of the stages Sure. Yeah, we have the Hoth. women the children all of them Um we have Hoth and if memory serves me correctly I think that's inside Echo Base like the hangar Um there is Cloud City Dagobah. I remember that
1: one. I remember Dagobah.
0: Emperor's Throne Room. I that. The Rancor Pit on Tatooine. Oh, okay. The Carbon Freezing Chamber on Bespin, which is the one I remember the most.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And the Forest Moon of Endor. Very cool. Lots of good options. Lots of good places to fight. Yeah, it's pretty rad. And I think it's one of the just cool things of, like, it is fun to see stuff from Legends that is yeah. like the most legendy mm-hmm. of legends content. Have we we haven't gotten Arden no. back in uh Canon yet? <laughs> no. You never know. Huh. Or Thok or Whore, either. <laughs> you know, you know Maybe what? Maybe one day. This is the kind of stuff we need to go to with Pablo Hidago and just ask, yeah. is Thawk in Canon or not?
1: Give us Thok.
0: <laughs> is he the one that gets choked out in Java's Palace? Tell me. I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys have got to have names, they right? They have to. In legends, they definitely do. I mean, legends, probably they canon. do. Yeah. Um, but then we get it, from a certain point of view three. Uh, I, so Rog, I love the fact that here in season two we're getting to the video games, which is just this yeah. huge tapestry of my Star Wars fandom. I'm excited to touch on. Um, and I love the fact that we get to talk about Tereskasi, which oh, also first appearance in Legend of Tereskasi is a mention in the Shadows of the Empire novelization. No way. Yeah. So it's like, oh. oh, what what a wonderful thing to go from the Shadows of the Empire novelization through a video game, through a number of different video games, <laughs> come back into canon in a video game, and then be made the highest level of canon by being said in a film. Yeah. yeah. What a weird trip.
1: Oh, man. As this new EU grows, I just have more and more fun. Oh, it's fun. Five years in, man. We already got Terris back. We got Thrawn yeah. back. We got, we're on our way. We got Dark Empire cloning himself back. We got Canon is. It's coming only back. a matter of time before Boba Fett crawls out of that like pit in Canon. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. And Luke meets Mara Jade in
0: the afterlife. It's happening. Oh, oh like some, it's like ghosts in here. <laughs> Just people touching hands and, and throwing pottery on <laughs> wheels. All right. Well, until the Johto cast film comes out, uh, Well, here's the thing. Until Arden Lin comes back in as this master of anti Jedi techniques, we got to talk about the in canon anti Jedi.
1: Oh, that's a good, you know what? Let's do it.
0: so let's talk about probably one of the deadest characters in star wars
1: yeah he seems dead dead because we all know when you fall down a shaft you die for real yeah and, and, and in his case he he wants to go he does he's ready when his time comes so tonight we're talking about the inquisitor
0: Later, the grand inquisitor.
1: Later, yes, we don't know he's the grand inquisitor, <laughs> he's just until just after his death. That's true. When we just first the. meet him in season one of Rebels, he is the inquisitor, and he is a. I know I've always struggled with this. Is it Powan? Powan? Uh, I Pau-an? think it.
0: I would say Powan, 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 like a W because okay. it's Uta Pow, so there's yeah. the Pow part is being a Powan, yeah, you know, Pau-an. so Powan.
1: Napaoan sounds good. We'll go so with that. in episode three, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi goes to Utapau to fight General Grievous. And you might remember he gets off his ship and there's that guy with the real funky teeth. Yeah, and, he's got very uh, sharp teeth, this very yeah.
0: tall body with these very tall neck ornaments. Yeah. And he's got these black, very sharp teeth. And one of the most distinguishing features, they have these just lines running top to bottom on their faces.
1: Yes. Well, that is the same species of the character we're talking about. The Grand Inquisitor, the Inquisitor, the first Inquisitor, voiced by Jason Isaacs. Yes. Now, we meet the Inquisitor in season one of Rebels, and he is only in season one of Rebels, other than a brief little kind of flashback force moment later. So, boy, I got to tell you. It is great to have, like, watched animated Star Wars more than once and actually remember parts of it now because (laughs) I can talk about it so much more confidently. Uh, So this character is basically the role of the Inquisitors is to hunt Jedi. They're basically continuing Order 66. Like, you can't have the entire army still out there after Jedi. There's only a few left. So they've got to have specialized hunters, and that's where we get the Inquisitor.
0: Yeah. The Inquisitor's whole job is they go to where force related incidents happen and they investigate. Is this a force user? If it's a Jedi, kill them. Is it something small? Can they be turned to our side? Can they be made into an Inquisitor or other element of the Empire? And is it something about the force that isn't any of those two? They'll probably kill it for good measure. (laughs) Yes.
1: Uh, Now, we learn over the years of many Inquisitors. We're not talking about them today. Maybe we'll do a special today. It's just the Grand Inquisitor. Right. Now, he is interesting because one way more powerful than the heroes he's gone up against way yeah Ezra Kanan stand no chance whatsoever
0: For most of season one he's the boogeyman yeah when he shows up that like our heroes need to run they cannot do anything against this guy yeah uh and then just as they get
1: confidence after they kill him uh they meet Vader but we'll talk about that more later yeah so the Grand Inquisitor shows up in a handful of episodes and as Max says he's the big bad he is Unstoppable. He's just a killing force. And they're able to outsmart him a few times, get away. Uh But ultimately, they meet their final confrontation. uh And, well, I think well fight a
0: curse, yeah. One of the things that makes him it's scary oh, yeah. what is do you have? force powers, which Kanan is hmm. just kind of getting back onto uh, his feet. And we see, like, you know, Kanan trying to do a force potion. He just is like, nope. <laughs> oh, yeah, good point, good point. He really is... Not
1: only with the saber, because he has a saber we haven't seen before, too. We should talk about that. So he's got this very interesting saber that's basically a circle, two blades, but it can do this cool helicopter thing where it just spins around. Yeah. Um, Which seems impractical. Yes.
0: Yeah. But he makes it work. And that. And I think it works because I think one of the fun things about it was we spent a lot of time, I think in his first maybe two appearances, I know in his first appearance for sure, he only lights the one side. So we just think it's a really cool hilt. Yeah. Because then it sort of like folds out to the circle and starts spinning and you're like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's it's great because it's not only representing, you know, the red blade. So we're like, oh, this is a dark Jedi. They're decked out in all this black glossy armor that has Imperial logos all over it, yeah. which makes them, you know, other fanatics. Yeah. But when the blade starts spinning, you're like, "Oh!" And you've got a little touch of Grievous in you too. <laughs> like it's it's a great just yeah. uh, pastiche of all the scary prequel villains in one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like you said, he's canceling out Force powers. He's showing that he is. A Jedi slaughtering machine. That's what he was trained for. That's what he's been essentially from maybe even birth raised to be because we have no idea how old he is. We don't know how old he is, but we do know a little bit about his role
1: before he was an Inquisitor. Mm. And so we do know he was probably trained from a young age in the force, but not by the Sith or the dark side, but by the Jedi. So a little bit of his past is that he was a temple guard before the fall of the temple. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, we don't know necessarily how he got in line with the Inquisitors, why Vader didn't kill him. You know, we don't know. There's not a lot out there about it. Uh, And I would love to know. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, he comes from a temple. He was a temple Hmm. guard. So he he is a true dark Jedi, a, a... Turned yes, Jedi. he is a Jedi who has fallen, like a couple of the other Inquisitors are that we'll meet later. Yep. Uh he is very scary, and ultimately uh Kanan and Ezra are forced to fight him in their in, in their a conflict they
0: can't escape finally. Yeah.
1: Now, Mac, they are essentially trapped together. Yeah. And Ezra gets force pushed off of a, a walkway, mm-hmm. and Canaan okay. thinks he's died. Yes. And the Inquisitor, you know, is basically kind of goading Kanan on, saying, yeah. Attack me. Kanan has both his and Ezra's lightsabers now. Yep. And Kanan's just like, well, now I've nothing to be scared of. And just fully unleashes himself. And after a duel, uh, where they're pretty evenly mashed, it seems, Kanan is basically able to get both of his lightsabers in between of the circle motorized part of the Inquisitors and destroy it and basically able to knock him back so he's hanging on just by his bare hands
0: yeah forces him into like a coup de gras stance like yeah. i i have you you know yield yeah and
1: basically at this point the inquisitor and by the way the entire ship is blowing up
0: below him <laughs> it's at this true point. like yes there's just, they're like in the engine room and the open e- reactors are starting to melt out of their casings. Yes. yes there's just giant fireballs and you know what i
1: Admittedly, probably should have looked it up now that I'm thinking about it, but there's this great line where basically the Inquisitor is like, I'm bad, but there are other things out there worse than me, so be afraid. And then he just let goes. Now, Kanan at this point has no idea what he's talking about. Really, this is a line, because this is in the season one premiere, and in episode, or I'm sorry, season one finale. And in the season two premiere of Rebels, we meet Darth Vader. So... That's who he's talking about. That's what he's foreshadowing. We assume that Vader is the only dark side user stronger than him. I should point out, we do know pretty well that the Inquisitors, none of them are anywhere close to Vader or Palpatine. Right. As far as they're very much like, yeah, hypothetically, if you kill Vader, you can be my apprentice, but not going to happen. And they're all scared to death of him. And that is honestly one of my absolute favorite, if not my favorite thing about the Inquisitor. Because, honestly, I love his design. I love his look. I love Jason Isaacs as the voice. Uh, if you're not familiar with Jason Isaacs, he played Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter series. He uh, has a really famous role from The Patriot. Uh, he, I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff. But... In, in a
0: classic uh, theater. Yes, yes. He's been in tons of great theater. Yes. Uh,
1: so, when he dies, and he's basically like, listen... I'm not the only thing you should be afraid of. And then he's basically, he's willing to kill himself. He's like, death is better than facing Vader.
0: Well, and that's, and that's the summation that makes his, his ending so good was a, he's been this boogeyman. He's been chill as a cucumber. Nothing about anything they've done has really phased him. Yeah. And he's just been this, you know, like Jason Voorhees, like you ran and I'm still a step behind you. Terror. Yeah. And when they finally like, get the comeuppance on him right they finally beat him they're like ready to like now we're gonna find out what you are all about and what what you why you're hunting us and all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and he's like oh no not at all I failed him and I will not face him because what he'll do to me is far worse than dropping to my death and being liquidated by the exploding engine underneath of me and if I think that you should be very afraid of that (laughs) and it's so cool because I think everyone watching in real time it was Totally out of left field, because we we who's the main villain now? Like we thought he was going to be like their constant chasing us down. Yeah. He was going to be the constant villain of the show, and we actually had a great parade of villains after this that make the show a lot stronger by making it feel like the empire is going against our our rebels, not just yeah. this one guy. Yeah. Not only do we get
1: a whole slew of other inquisitors, we get Vader. Tarkin uh, for a little bit. Tarkin and then uh, and then Thrawn. Thrawn. Yeah, who becomes kind of the main final villain. Wow. Um, it's interesting to see because, to me, I one of the things I struggled with the most with Star Wars for a little while, getting back into animated Star Wars, uh, was like, okay, but the last of the Jedi, you will be, you know? Like Yoda's line, like Luke should be it. Like, there shouldn't be all these other Force users around. And as we've gotten farther away from three movies only or six movies only and that was it that was all we had yeah uh i've grown to feel a lot better about there being these other force users and these other dark side users out and about in the galaxy in that 19 year gap between revenge of the sith and a new hope uh yeah. i've gotten a lot more comfortable with that well, and ultimately pretty much they're all dead by the time episode four well, starts anyway that's the so. biggest thing
0: that i think is cool is in canon they kind of gave that line a lot more reverence. Yeah. Because, like, you know, we've met characters like, you know, Kanan and Ezra, and Mm -hmm. they're very out of the picture when the OT shows up. There's a reason that Yoda would not comment on them. By having Yoda connect with Kanan and stuff, we learn that, oh, Yoda's been trying to connect to anyone who's left before now. It's not like he was just, like, only waiting around for Luke. Yeah. And then the last thing, or a certain point of view, our favorite book of all time, which is not to Leia. Um, but the, uh, the yeah. last thing that's interesting about the Inquisitor is I love his l- most recent appearance in Star Wars canon, which is he's mentioned in some of the pickups you can get when you were in the final stage of um, Fallen Order. Yes, yes, you fight an Inquisitor towards the end of that game. Yeah, you're dealing with Inquisitors because, well, you're a Jedi, and they go, a Jedi? We know what to do with those, and they send Inquisitors after you, and there's a great comment of, kind of, you get to see what the other Inquisitors think of the Grand Inquisitor, and it pumps him up as even more horrifying that, like, oh no, the stuff he's done for Vader is, like, legend, and I I can't even imagine doing that, which works well, that when He's defeated by Kanan. He's like, oh, that should never have happened. I don't know what's going to happen from here. I'm not going to be part of this because if I couldn't kill you, I know who they're going to send after you. And it's not a member of my department anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and I've never failed him. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to face that. <laughs> yeah. Um, And it, it really just ramps up. And I mean, I, in the course of that game, you kind of get, the more dramatic terror of what the inquisition yeah. inquisition is and what it's been doing. Yes. Um, so I'm not going to spoil anything cause it is still very no, recent no, as no. the, as of this recording, we're going to do a, an inquisitor special at some point. I think point. we should.
1: Think, yeah. That would be They're, fun. We've gotten enough now. Sisters and brothers. Yeah. There's enough of them. So between comics and games and movies and shows and all that, they fleshed it out fairly well. Yeah. We're, we're ready. I think so. We'll work on that. If you're interested in an inquisitor
0: special, let us know. Yeah, but until then, I mean, an amazing character whose death is one of the most impactful things, I think, that's happened. A great way to end a season. Oh, yeah. And just open the door for it's going to get worse. <laughs> it's going to get worse before it gets better, that's for sure. And it does. So, uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> does. I think that's all I have to say. Yeah, I. Uh, he's an interesting character. He did get a three and three quarter inch figure. Uh oh, that's good. No six inch Black Series. I have yeah, it. Yet- I have his three and three quarter. I don't know why. I just like, you know what? I, I'm going to get got it. a good look. And he's a really cool looking figure. I'm glad I have it. Um, yeah, I'd love to see more sometime. So, Mac, I think we're all set on the Inquisitors. So until we have our Inquisitoria special, <laughs> let's put a bow on this one for now and move on to the final thoughts. Are you ready? Let's do it. I'll see you there. Star
0: Wars is for everyone.
1: Every day, we have the ability and opportunity to create a more accepting world by actively coming together and living inclusively.
0: Whether it's the galaxy far, far away or right here at home, there's always a chance to do even small things to include other people. Let them know that they're loved. Just regardless of the differences we have between us, what makes us in common is far more important. Yeah, Star Wars loves and accepts all. And it's
1: always been about that. And here we are in 2020, Star Wars more inclusive
0: than ever. I can't tell you how many different people from different walks of life, different ability levels, different races, creeds, genders that were all together at star wars celebration to celebrate the things we love
1: sometimes it feels like you're fighting against the empire when you're trying to champion what's right but remember it takes
0: all of us to fight an empire so join us and everyone else in the galaxy and learn how you can come together at lovehasnolabels.com brought to you by the ad council The streaks in the cockpit are going back down to star points mm-hmm. as we arrive at our destination mm-hmm. here at mm-hmm. the end of yet another episode of Star Wars All In. Yeah,
1: I uh, while we took our break just now, I went over to our uh, local used store, could not find a copy of Terras Kasi. Uh, it's I'm, a little harder to come by. I'm pretty sure I do have my original copy, because I did have a copy. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have it somewhere, but we're going to have to try and break it out. I wonder if it's with my PlayStation Two because I got rid of the console, but I kept some of the games.
0: Oh, okay. Let's take it's, a look and see. It's a good game because unfortunately the 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 thing that I had that you played is uh, yeah. only one player because it's not it's not on a system that has two players. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we got to try, but I uh, yeah, I'd like yeah. to throw down a little bit. Yeah, we'll bring that out on maybe the fit on the fourth on May fourth. Oh yeah, when we have 4th? our big celebration of the, oh, the, the of a high
1: some, holiday of Star Wars, I have some good stuff. So Mac and I have spent the last.
0: Oh, it's getting up there, yeah. Give or
1: take May Force together, uh, which has been great. We've done some VHS, Despecialized. We've done some uh, prequels. We've done some sequels. Yeah, we've we've done some droids stuff. and Ewoks. We did
0: watch some droids uh, and Ewoks. So we've
1: had some good May 4th. Uh This year, it's going to be more than just Mac and I, though. We're expanding. We're inviting some friends in. Uh, Vito, former friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. he's gonna be there. Uh, a couple other people. We're gonna be doing a Mando watch. Yeah, we're gonna watch the entire Mandalorian uh-huh. series, essentially as like a big four plus hour movie. Yeah, we're gonna watch Solo because Vito yeah. has not seen Solo, and then we might watch Rise of Skywalker, time permitting, and if we're on the move, <laughs> see how deep we get. Yeah, yeah. but uh, uh, it's gonna be great, and I've got some surprises that uh, we'll talk about as we get closer because I can't spoil them for Mac.
0: And just to let you know, we are also going to probably have some a, a. We've already planned that we're gonna have. Yeah. We're not gonna talk to you about it, what it is yet, but we'll definitely have an additional special for May Fourth. We are gonna have a May Fourth um, special, so. That will be in in addition to our normal weekly. Yeah, releases. May
1: Fourth is what a Monday this year. Yeah. So on Monday we'll have special episode three, assuming we don't have another special episode between now and then. And the first special episode of season one. Maybe two. Wait, first two? special episode of season two. Of season two, yes. What's the issue? Because our rise of Skywalker episode was season one still. Oh yes, correct. We're good. We got this.
0: We'll have a special
1: on May (laughs) four. It will. It's going to be great. We know what it is. We're just not telling you. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be. Max is very excited. I am very excited about our plan. Probably going to be long as hell. It's going to be super long. I just want (laughs) to let you know it could be. So right now, our longest episode is about three hours eight minutes.
0: Uh, It could top that. Which, for those of you who like a long podcast, enjoy. For yeah. those of you who don't, they've been a little shorter lately for That's you. That's why we segment them. We
1: try to uh, keep them. Keep them. Uh, we've been better this year. Our podcast, one of the very first things, in fact, the first thing maybe I said to Mac when I came in and said, Mac, I think it's finally time we do a podcast together. How, about, how would you say you know a Star Wars yeah. podcast? And then I said, the one thing I said... Mac, I hate when I'm listening to a podcast and you're like, Okay, we're almost out of time. We gotta wrap I'm like No, you don't. You're in a spare bedroom. You have all the time <laughs> in the world. Just finish your thought.
0: Uh, and uh here we are making three hour shows. So So we don't clock ourselves, but we've been I think more strategic <laughs> about picking topics we know we will go along with and pick topics we yeah, won't. We've been a little Every bit once better. in a while we're wrong, but yeah, in general that's part of the fun of Star Wars all. <laughs> Yeah. And so, uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, reach out to us. I think Twitter's our most, uh, popular yeah, place. Yeah. Um, we, uh,
1: we love hearing from you. We love hearing about what topics you like. Uh, no one's really ever reached out with a topic they don't like. But having said that, I wouldn't mind. You know, tell us what you like, what you don't like. The other day, I asked a question of, uh, would you like to see more Legends content on Star Wars All In? And we got two responses a yes and a no. Uh, <laughs> so it didn't help. But <laughs> thank you, uh, to Royal Farm Boy and, um, Oh, I can't remember his username off the top of my head, uh, but we've been talking a little bit lately, so it's great to hear from you. Uh, you any more? Up? What's that? Did you want to look it up? No, no, no. We're... <laughs> do you want me to? You want me to do that? You want me to do You're going to mention one vamp you mention? for a second?
0: Yeah, yeah. Vamp for me. Well, I'm also. I've also marked this. I, I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> oh, that works too. <laughs> uh, I have that power, unless I forget to edit
1: it out, which yeah, I've done. Yeah, either way, it's the appendix. We fly fast and loose here. Mac is rocking a real manic energy tonight
0: I am a little batty tonight that's for sure
1: uh Holly hooligan okay uh anyway you know he he uh he he's been uh talking with us a little bit too so basically all we want to say is uh hey thank you to everyone who takes a second and uh reaches out to us lets us know what you think about the show um' we're, we really do appreciate that because ultimately, That was our main goal for this show, was just to have more Star Wars friends to talk to, more people to share our uh, passion with. And ultimately, we hope you find some joy and end your day in a little bit of a better spot just from hearing us talk about something that you love and that we love. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ultimately, I uh, feel that Star Wars is a way to be happy. And if Star Wars is making you sad and depressed, then I think maybe we're looking at the wrong part of the fandom. And I know in 2020, I have chosen to be happy with Star Wars, and 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 I'm going to keep that going.
0: In our world, we definitely look at the Force as a a light side up kind of world.
1: Definitely trying to. I know
0: I I got a little negative around some of the Rise of Skywalker stuff. Here's uh, the thing. It's okay for us to be negative because I think the one thing that we always try to do is it's okay for us to be negative about something us yes but we as a program will never be negative on anything that you like the point is all of star wars is welcome yes and we're human i have parts i like and i have parts i like a little bit and a little less and there's parts i don't like about star wars i've already moaned about the yuz and vong but at the same time (laughs) while i don't like that it belongs in star wars all of star wars belongs in star wars yes
1: star wars is better when it's diverse star wars is better when we have more because ultimately, I don't care what you say, we would not have a live-action Star Wars TV show in 2019 if mm-hmm. the brand wouldn't have been sold to Disney. It's true. Like, it's just, you know, not only do we have five movies, but we had animated shows, we have novels, we have a live-action show, and those are things we just weren't going to get under a single producer, well, under and, a and single Just more mind.
0: importantly, and, and again, not to be, you know, just to state it. The more Star Wars you have, the more Star Wars there is to love. The more Star Wars there is, the more likely you're going to find stuff you don't like. Yeah. But, like, just taking the Disney acquisition as an epoch of, like, what's changed? Yeah. I guarantee there is something about post-Disney Star Wars that you love that would not have happened in Lucas-era Star Wars. I hope so. And I'm sure there's something in Disney-era Star Wars that you're like, that would have never happened under Lucas Star Wars that you're that you like, I wish it hadn't. It's fine. It is fine. fine. If it wasn't controversial, it wouldn't be interesting. <laughs>
1: It's a good way to put it. Uh, I think the point is we love Star Wars, and we want to continue to love Star Wars, and right we want to on. continue to be all in on Star Wars, and we're going to continue that for you for the foreseeable future. So as we uh, end episode 31 here today, I just want to give a, a truly, uh, truly meaningful and from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone who uh, listens to
0: us every week. We We, we really do appreciate it. Yeah, we didn't really mark it, but we're we're past six months of this nonsense. We've been doing for this for yeah, half a year. I know it, it feels wild. longer, doesn't it? <laughs> it it feels well, longer. Te- well, technically, you and I have been talking about this longer than a year. But we've That's been making true. episodes for That's half a true. Year. We've been talking about half- Star Wars for a while.
1: If we ever move farther apart, I don't oh know. my god, we're gonna have to. Figure I'm gonna out have to really figure out Skype yeah. recording. Um, yeah. Well, uh, friends,
0: <laughs> thank you for joining us. Uh, I also want to second that it's been great. And and you know what? Until next Wednesday, I'm Mac and I'm Ross. And until then, may the Force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.